All right, we are back with another installment of Accepting the Challenges here where we want to put a spotlight, give some shine, and give some love to educators all around the world who wake up every single day, they walk into their job, and they, and they truly do. They accept the challenges that come to them. They could deal with the child's best day of their life, or they could build, deal with a child's worst day of their life. And mm-hmm. um, today, we have a guest. I will tell you, um, I, do, I do not know uh, this young lady prior to this conversation, uh, but I would tell you we did have a brief conversation off air, and she's already, before we even get started, uh, one of uh, my more anticipated interviews just because of some of the things that we talked about uh, <laughs> off, uh, off, off air, and we'll probably keep most of that off air, but... Let's keep it off air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, 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 but today... Uh, we have uh, Dr. Kelly Joseph. Um, Dr. Joseph, if you will, give us a little bit of insight into to who you are uh, and where you're at right now in the education world, and then we'll kind of start going backwards. Yes. Well, first, let me thank you so very much for um, inviting me to your podcast. I'm very humbled and appreciative um, you know, for this opportunity. Uh, My name is Kelly Joseph, and I am currently the superintendent for St. Helena Parish School District. Uh, That is a small rural community in Louisiana. And um, we have about, I would say, a a little less than 10,000 people. I always say we have more pine trees than people in this place because it's so rural, but it's a beautiful, beautiful place to live and grow um, and raise your children. Uh, been here for nine years. Prior to that, I served as a principal at um, in St. John the Baptist Parish and also served as a teacher, social studies teacher. Um, I actually started as a long-term substitute and just kind of worked my way up the ranks uh, in education. Uh, never thought that I would, I wanted to be an educator. You know, my parents were educators, my mom in particular, and always ran from the calling. But um, just couldn't run away from it uh, any longer, got into it and just been loving it ever since. So that's about it in a nutshell. I do have five children. Okay. Uh, the majority of them are grown, thank God. <laughs> but I have one still at home. She's 13 years old. Ooh, that's and a um, yeah, she's in the eighth grade. And so I fully understand what it's like to be a parent right now, what it's like to be an educator right now, and what it's like to just have a teenager in the house. Yeah, that's um, uh, it's funny. I saw something somewhere where people were talking about the lockdowns and the restrictions either either showed everybody that they have a spouse that they truly love and they actually really do love their kids or they 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 realize they made a big mistake and, and and they can't and they can't wait to get their kids. And what's funny is the kids probably can't wait to get out of the house either, right? Oh so, my God, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I do love my husband. I really do love him. Uh, he's actually a police officer, and okay. so um, yeah, very proud of the work that he does in our, in our at our home. And um, yeah, it's been an interesting uh, time because actually he's had to work every day uh, during the pandemic. So oh, wow, it's been interesting. Yeah, my daughter uh, who's in college right now, she she was able to come home and we were able to spend a lot of time together. Um, so it's been, it was interesting. The, the one thing I learned is that, yeah, you're, um, you got a lot of time to spend with our family, you know, time we would never 
been able to do or, or get. And so I'm just, I'm grateful that we did have the opportunity to spend that time together. Yeah. And, and, and I, so I agree. Um, I actually agree that I think there's actually, so yes, we can, we can find the negatives and, and the things that are wrong with, you know, kids not being in school and mm-hmm. everybody being at home. There are some positives that have come out of it as well. And I've, I've got Absolutely. a pretty, I've got a pretty rough upbringing. And as a dad, I've always, it's, a, it's always been a battle of, I don't want my kids to ever have to endure or go through anything that I went through as a child, but I want them to be able to still navigate life. Like I can navigate life and, and, and maneuver. And this has created, um, almost a controlled environment for some of that for kids to now you have to be better at planning your time. You have to know that, you know, these kids are going to be way more prepared for college when they get to college now just because they've now had to my class starts online at this I got to be at this time nobody's telling me the bell's not ringing and telling me I have to go to this I have to go do this exactly and yeah and 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 what we have done here at my house is we've implemented um dinner time now right like dinner time and we've always kind of sat at the table and had dinner time but now what we also do is we have Sunday dinners so we have Sunday to where my wife's family, who we've all kind of bubbled together, um, her mom and dad, um, they come over on Sundays and I cook. So I do all the cooking in my house. Um, my mm-hmm. wife, uh, bless her heart, cannot boil water. Um, <laughs> so, but admittedly, admittedly, so I'm, not, I'm, I'm not knocking her. So, so we have, we have Sunday dinner and we do that. So, um, what, what is the school, what is the student population of the district there that you serve? Yeah. So we have about 1200 children that we serve in St. Helena, uh, from pre-K to 12th grade. Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So, so let's do this. Let's go way back, way back long, long before, maybe not too long ago, uh, Mm -hmm. before you became, uh, Dr. Kelly Joseph, Mm -hmm. where you were just Kelly and, and you were growing up. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what life was like, um, in those early years. Yeah, so um, I'm still just Kelly. Um, I grew up uh, with a mom and a dad. My dad actually was, um, he he was a teacher, but then he also, in order to make ends meet, um, was a janitor at night. My mom was an educator. Um, she taught business uh, classes at the high school in our town. Um, I have uh, two brothers and a sister. So, you know, all of us growing up together, it was quite interesting. Not a big brother that would always, for some reason, uh, would pick with me all the time. And so I learned a lot of, you know, I got my stamina and my grit and everything from having to deal with that um, to my younger sister who came eight years later. And then my little brother, Galen, three years later, you know, past that. Um, It's quite interesting. So I had me and my brother uh, on one end. And my younger brother and sister on the, on the, on the other end, and so it was just trying to make all of that work together in that in that house. But um, came up from a loving family, um, really care about the community. My dad actually, uh, after becoming an educator for you know so many years, I know that he became the uh, chief deputy assessor in our parish, St. John Parish, and then later became the uh, first black assessor in the parish. So I'm very proud of the work that my dad did. My mom, you know, also uh, rose in the ranks in education. 
Uh, I think she ended up being the, the director of secondary education and then she retired. She then moved into being the principal at our school church. And, you know, so we, we have a deep connection with our church. We have a strong connection, strong family connection. And so um, it's through that that I, you know, learned about uh, the ways of the world and uh, had my morals and my values and my beliefs in my pocket and just always tried to do the right thing. Um, from there, um, of course, I went to the Southern University. I say the Southern University in Baton Rouge, um, Louisiana, uh, then transferred later to the Southern University in New Orleans where I graduated uh, in secondary education. Um, learned a lot there because I was also married and I then had um, two kids at the time and was just you know trying to trying to make it through trying to graduate trying to finish uh, made the decision to get into education um became a teacher um also worked you know during the summertime during the summer months trying to make ends meet and just raising a family um had two more kids later so me and my husband had a total of four kids uh we of course uh later on uh just things didn't work out we divorced i remarried um uh, now it's been, oh Lord, how long y'all been married now? I would say 14 years and to my wonderful husband, Randall, and we have a child together. So now a total of five for us. And then of course he had three before then. And so it's a big Brady Bunch fan. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, just going through life, just trying to make it work and then just made the decision, um, I would like to get into administration. I like to serve kids, you know, in a larger capacity. So I was able to uh, become the assistant principal at one of the elementary schools in my parish and then moved up to principal. Um, just wanted to, you know, get into a larger position to yeah. try to impact more kids. And I could tell you that I served uh, six years as a principal at that school and we really worked hard to improve student achievement at that school. Our vision was to be the best in the state. And we knew that in order to be the best, we must do our best. And that's exactly what we did. The teachers rallied together. I mean, it was a wonderful environment. Uh, then uh, of course, moved on to St. Helena Parish. Uh, it was interesting how I got to be here. At that time, you know, we had, everyone was just learning how to complete applications online. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what, I want to learn how to do it too. So of course I saw where there was a position available, didn't have any thought about leaving my principalship. I just wanted to learn how to complete an application online. So I did. And I just let the application sit there. I didn't hit send or anything. Uh, a couple of weeks later, I saw in the newspaper where they extended the deadline for applications. I said, well, isn't this interesting? So I said, okay, I hit the send button. And here I am, nine years later in St. Helena Parish. And I can tell you, it has been an awesome journey trying to uh, improve, improve the um, success rates of our students here in this parish. That's, so yeah, uh, that. That's, that, 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 that's definitely an interesting journey. And um, yeah. so, so, so kind of going back. So, so you were always, do you think you were always kind of mentally set on, on being in education in some, some fashion? Nope. 
Not at all. Not at all. What did you what did you originally set out to do? Um, I actually had no idea, but I knew that I did not want to be an educator. Um, and why? I just why, didn't why, want why, it. Why did you have the neck? Was it because maybe you saw the like the long hours and you know how how hard it was being at home and and having an educator in the house? Or yeah, education isn't easy. Uh, being an educator isn't easy, and it doesn't pay well. And so uh, my interest actually was in, you know, computer software and try, you know, doing those types of things. But um, I couldn't resist the calling. I couldn't resist the calling. I um, had the experience of being a short-term substitute. And that's when I got the bug. I said, okay. Ended up then started, then got into long-term substitute. And then I was able to, I said, I'm going back to school. I'm going to finish. So I went into education, got that degree in education, and I've been in it ever since. And I love, I love, love, love what I do. Why do you do what you do? I do what I do because I love to see the light bulb moments with kids. I just love to be around them. I love to help them um, be successful. I love to create that framework of success. Um, I just love the the environment. You know, they, kids keep you young, right? And they say all kinds of things and they, you know, they want the guidance, they want the help, you know, they want the support. Meanwhile, they are, you know, kind of pushing back from you, you know, reluctantly. They are, they're wanting the structure. They want those things. And I just, I, my personality, my everything about me um, belongs with kids. I belong with kids, helping kids to be successful. I just love it. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fantastic answer. So <laughs> let, let me ask you this. What what did so you were a mom before you became an educator? So I was a mom before I became an educator. Yes. So what did you learn about being a mom that helped you in going into the education world? That I want to provide other children what I provide my children, right? I love my children. I nurture my children. I make sure that they are on the right path and they're doing the right things. And I'm always there with them, even when they try to get steer off the path. I want that same opportunity for all children. So all of the 1200 kids that I have in my district, they are my children yeah. and don't mess with my children. Right. You can say and do whatever with me. You can, you know, whatever, just do not mess with my kids. I will. I'm like the mama bear. You know, yeah. I, I really do love them. I allow them to, you know, make their mistakes and do all of those things. But at the end of the day, I want them to learn and I want them to have all of the opportunities that I didn't have, that my children have. And I just want them to use that to become, you know, successful adults. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what do you, when, when you're obviously now what you hire for is different, you're hiring more for administration. Um, but when, 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 when you do look for educators to come into into your culture and and your um, your your environment, if you will, uh, what are some of the things that you look for? Well, first, um, 
you have to be a dedicated educator. You have to be willing to come in and really change the hearts and minds of children. Look, St. Helena Parish is known for being one of the lower performing districts in the state. Um, so when you come here, you have to love children. You have to come in with your eyes wide open and you have to be willing to put in the work that it requires in order to move our children forward. There is, and I believe uh, there is a huge access and opportunity gap. We are here trying to create opportunities for our students while other districts already have those opportunities and the kids have it at their fingertips. We are creating it here. So you have to be willing to come in and create those opportunities and help uh, close that access gap. And when you do that, we'll be able to close that achievement gap. So you have to come in ready to roll your sleeves up and get in there and do some, do some great work for kids. And I will say that uh, our educators here, they really put in the time and the effort. They really work hard. Um, despite all of the challenges. And I'm so very proud of the work that they do every day. It is not easy at all. Um, this pandemic has um, put a light on all of the uh, inequitable things that, uh, that we have to deal with every single day, right? With, from uh, access to technology to you know, just whatever it is that other systems just have at their fingertips. We have to, like I said earlier, we have to create those opportunities. And that's exactly what we're doing. Awesome. That is awesome. So, so when you, so, so what type of, it, cause it sounds like you're, you're big into, into serving, right? So, um, it, it's, it's, and I think that, um, is, is especially in the education world is typically what seems to be, uh, what seems to, I guess, um, generate the most engagement, if you will, from your staff and, you know, being, I'm, I'm serving you. Right. So mm -hmm. like when I, when, when, when I had, you know, X number of staff and, you know, doing these different things, like I hated the word employee, I hated the word boss. I just, it, it just, yeah. it creates, it creates a negative mindset. And, and yeah. I, I, when I believe in the philosophy of, I actually work for my team, not the other way around. It's my job to provide my team with the resources and the environment for them to be as successful as possible. And it sounds like that is, that is kind of how you go about things. Um, wh where did that come from? Where, where did you, where did you develop that, that mindset? My parents, um, my parents, uh, they were always, uh, servants. They served the community. Um, they served us, um, I don't know. It's just it's with it's just within me. I believe that we God gives us all uh, talents and uh, different things that make us who we are, and that's just one of those things that I think uh, God has given me. I've never thought of myself as the boss or uh, you know higher than what I think I am. I, I'm I'm not that way. I wouldn't expect anyone to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. And um, I will take the lead at it. And, you know, hey, you know what? We need to pick up this trash. We need to move these desks. We need to do those things. You know, I'll go ahead on and I'll do it myself. I need to rearrange this furniture to set up this meeting. I'm going to do it myself. I type my own letters. I do my own stuff. Um, and I do believe that it's a team effort. And sometimes I have to remind myself that I am the superintendent because I, I consider myself to be a colleague 
among everyone here that's trying to make a difference in the lives of these kids. So when I go in the classrooms and do observations, you know, I, I, I had to step back for a moment and realize that the teacher may not feel comfortable to have the superintendent walk in and do a classroom observation. Sure. But I'm like, no, 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 keep on doing it. Act like I'm not even here. Yeah, right. Act like you're yeah, not yeah, even yeah, in the yeah. room. It's not possible, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I had to, I, I learned to do, you know, take a little step back and allow the principals to go in and, you know, do the things that they needed to do. But I really do miss that everyday interaction in the classroom, doing those observations and, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily let it stop me because I still, you know, go in, especially now that everything is, you know, we do have some virtual classes. I can just pop in right quick and they see my picture on the thing and, you know, but um, yeah, I never considered myself to be um, more than who I thought I was. Um, I'm grounded. I'm rooted in my, uh, my, my belief system, my values, you know, all of those things that make up, I believe, you know, good individuals, you know, you, we treat others the way we want to be treated. You know, I believe, I believe in that. And, um, I just believe that, you know, God is the head of everything in my life. And I try to know him, love him, serve him. And, uh, through that, he says, you know, love your neighbor as you, as I love you. And that's what I try to do. Awesome. What, what do you, what do you miss about being in the classroom every day? The kids. I miss the interact. I miss the teaching with the kids. Instead, I, you know, I teach the teachers and I teach my staff. I do those things. You know, I'm still an educator, yeah. but the everyday grinding of, you know, creating those lesson plans and stuff. I really miss that. But I do teach religion class on Sundays. Okay. So I still, you know, I, I'm still connected to that and try to provide my kids in the, in that class, you know, active, engaged instruction. And, sure. you know, I do all of those things that I would typically do you know, in the regular classroom. Yeah. And that allows you to just keep scratch that itch that you still can uh, yes, man. Still, still interact. What, absolutely. What, 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 tell me, tell me about, tell me about a story that happened where early in your years you were going through, you were doing it. And then you were like, you know what, this right here is exactly why I'm doing this. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Oh my God. There's so many stories. Um, one there's can I I have two absolutely absolutely right. absolutely so one uh, and it connects to what I'm doing now and what uh, type of environment I want the teachers here and the the staff here to have you know I taught at this high school um, Lutcher High School and the principal his name was Mr Terry Mullen and he created it was a well oil machine he had everything just you know everything was fine tuned everything was set up straight. Um, the one thing about that school is that the kids didn't go outside for a recess. They went into the commons area. And so after every recess or every lunch period, like clockwork, you'd see the janitorial staff come in and clean up everything like nobody was there. It was pristine. And you know, kids, right? They'll throw stuff all over the place and do all that thing. But when they left, everything was pristine. I was walking down the hallway, going to my class after duty. And I had this feeling of, man, I feel gainfully employed. I feel really good about being in this environment. Everything is structured. Everything is in place. People know what they need to do. It was a great environment. And I'll never forget that feeling. And when I became an assistant principal, principal, you know, I became an administrator. I said, I want 
everyone who works with me to feel that same way. And so I every day just try to make that happen. The other story is, you know, um, sometimes, a lot of times, um, God will give you the words to say to people that, you know, you wouldn't otherwise know what to say. And I had some kids that, uh, one kid in particular, who was really going through some stuff at home. And for some reason, he gravitated toward me and would ask me questions and would ask for my advice and stuff like that. And, um, and I'll never forget him because he was a twin. And uh, I would just sit with him and I would talk to him. I have no idea what I was saying, but I know whatever I was saying, it was something that came through me from God to, you know, hey, look, to impart on this kid. And whenever he left away, he felt really good. And I was like, okay, well, I'm glad whatever I said, sure. you know, worked. But it's just those relationships that you build with children. And sometimes those relationships, you know, they're really special relationships that you, that you can, and you can identify with some kids. And some kids really just gravitate toward you. And they want to hear what you have to say. And, you know, it feels good to be able to share that knowledge with them. So I've had tons of experiences like that just throughout the course of my career where I've developed some really good relationships, some really strong bonds with kids. And, you know, it's our job as educators, as adults to protect them and to guide them and give them what they need to be successful. And I'm, I'm hopeful and prayerful that, you know, I'm able to do those things. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It, mm -hmm. When you, when you actually can see, um, and I think that is, that is the, um, so, so my wife, my wife has recently picked with our youngest one. So she's picked up, uh, doing some, doing some, uh, sight words training, uh, and tutoring on the side online. And that's what she talks about. She, you know, seeing these kids from week to week, pick up these sight words and go, and now all of a sudden mm -hmm. they're able to do this and just like, it's the rewarding thing of it um, because, yeah. you know, the, you know, I think the reality of it is, is education has over the years kind of went a little bit more, I don't want to say bureaucratic, but um, less about what it used to be about, you know, in the kids and the interaction and more about, you know, other testing. things. Yes. yes. Yeah. I, it's I been about testing. Yeah. Right. I, won't, I, I, mm -hmm. I wasn't going to go there cause I don't want you, yeah. to, I don't, I don't want to get you in a jam, but, right. uh, because I am, I am of the belief because I, I, and I, and I realize in some ways I am an anomaly. Um, I realized that. So, um, and I share this. So if somebody listens to every one of these episodes, they're going to be like, dang, Shane, you talk about this, you know, a lot, but I feel like it's important um, because you and I think you kind of hit on it a little bit earlier that it the, the curriculum is is important, but mm -hmm. it is not the end all be all of a definition of success for a lot of kids. Right. And um, so I so I actually keep so right here is actually a copy of my transcript. Uh, so I keep a copy of it. Um, and then when I travel, I actually keep a copy of it. And, you know, I, I use this as an example because, and, and I, and I do this, the reason I, I bring this is when I'm talking to kids. So I got called out by a kid when I was in England, mm -hmm. um, I was giving a talk and telling about all these things that I do and all this stuff. And this kid raised his hand in front of this 
huge room of people. Well, I don't believe you. There's no way that you did all these different things and you've done this and you've been here and you've been there and you barely graduated high school. And in my head, I was saying a few things like, well, you son of a gun. Like you think you, you, so I said, I tell you what I'm going to do when we're done, you come up to me and you give me your contact details. And when I get home, I'm going to have my transcript pulled and I'm going to send you a copy of it. And, And I did. And I do that because and he emailed me back and he was like, I'm sorry. He's like, <laughs> I, I didn't, he's like, I've never, like, I've never encountered someone who in real life, who has overcome these things and still been successful. And we shared some things back and forth. And that's because there's some of our story. So, so growing up, I was told I would only be, I, I would either be a drug dealer, a drug addict or a garbage man. Mm-hmm. None of the three that you aspire to be as a child Um, so essentially what I was being told is you're just going to be just somebody else in society. You're not going to, you know, you're, you're you're nothing positive. Yeah. So he was going through some of that as well. And he was believing it. He, he, he was believing as in like, I'm like, this is people are telling me I'm not going to be anything. This is what I'm going to believe. So in his mind, he did not believe that it was actually possible. So I do that and I share that now and I went through and I said, you know, I went with him and I said, okay, I said, I have this multi-million dollar international business. I said, but in, in my, in my junior year, I got a 71 in introduction to business. I started an online business and didn't own a computer at the time. I got a 64 in my junior, my junior year in computers. I I do all the cooking at my house. When I say I can cook. Uh Meaning if you and your family ever come through Kentucky and you're like, Hey, we're driving through, we're doing some sightseeing. I'd love to stop in and meet the family. Like we will have a spread. Like I can make a bolognese from scratch. Like I I can, I can actually really cook. Well, my Mm. senior year in foods, I got a 33. Oh, and and it's (laughs) not, and it's not, but it's not because Mm -hmm. I, I'm not smart. It's just right. because there were other things going on in going life. Going on at the time. Exactly. Yeah, like, like exactly. It, it was more of a survive. I mean, I've, I've, I've worked since I was 14 years old. So yeah. it was just it, that was that and basketball. Those were the two most important things. And then school was kind of, I, I actually enjoyed school. Class has just gotten away from me. Like I, I enjoy I Let me tell you something. When I was in high school, I remember going to my science teacher it was biology. And I was maybe like two or three points away from the lowest D. (laughs) I failed every single one of her tests because they were so hard. I just couldn't get it. And so I was on like toward the end of the school year begging, please, can I please, you know, can you give me these couple of points so that I can pass your class? (laughs) And I guess you saw that I did make some effort. And so, yeah, I I ended up passing. I was, thank the Lord. My senior year of high school, I took advanced math. My freshman year of college, I took remediation math and reading. I didn't understand how in the world I had advanced math and English. I took all the English things, one, two, three, and four, but go to college and I'm in remediation, remedial math and remedial reading. Well. It was because of the ACT. No one really said and talked to us about the power of ACT. 
Are you oh, willing, she, are you willing to share what you got on the ACT? Oh, let me. Oh, look, that's a part I, of my story. I've got, I've got mine oh, right yeah. here, and I and and I'm oh, yeah, willing, yeah. I'm I'm curious. Oh yeah, I'm not I'm not ashamed of it. So the thing was, she said, my counselor said in the hallway, she said, uh, I was like, what's ACT? My senior year. What's yep. ACT? Yep. Oh yeah, you got to take this. Time. All you got to do is make an 18. I said, make an 18. Okay, I didn't know what the highest score was. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. a 36. Didn't know that. So I said, okay. So one Saturday after a football game, because I was a, on a dance team, so I was I was tired Saturday morning. I had to drive to this high school to go and take this test that all I needed to do was make an 18 on. So I was like, oh man. I looked at all this stuff and I was like, I don't know any of this. So I kind of like bubbled in whatever, put my head in, on the desk and I went to sleep the rest of the time. Got my scores back. Eleven. I made an eleven. So I made an eleven. You are you you have tied the lowest score that I've ever actually talked to somebody. <laughs> so so I got a fifteen. So, okay. so I, I I got a fifteen. So so mm -hmm. um so already I want to mm -hmm. be friends with you I coming know. out of this because you you are hey. you, you, and you're willing to admit it. Oh yes, indeed. I, I can't. I can't listen. I and and I and and this is why it's important, and this is why I think this drives you probably from this way. Mm -hmm. That test was not indicative or a litmus test that's going to say whether or not you are successful or not. Absolutely. And you being but, the, I love. I cannot tell you how much <laughs> I love this because you being in education, you are a, literally a walking example. When you sit down with these kids or you help these teachers understand, look that that score is only a piece of it it is not yes. the end all be all on whether or no. not this child is going to be something I, exactly I we are not defined you. by a letter grade oh i love that <laughs> I but look i, I have it's it. more there's more to it though okay okay so after i got that 11 i was like okay well, wait a minute this isn't the 18 that i needed to get okay so of course i had to go and take the test again take the test again i made a 13. I said, okay, still not the 18 that I needed to make. Finally go in, I take the test again, and I made a 19. I thought I was the smartest thing since sliced bread until I found out that the highest score you could get was a 36. I was like, what? Okay, yeah. well, I made a 19, so I'm good to go. Go to college. No, 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 back up. Graduation day. Graduation day. I'm looking across the hallway and I see our valedictorian. And I said, well, dang, how'd you get to be valedictorian? She said, um, you know, my GPA. I said, GPA, what is that? <laughs> hey, hey, they bro, said, I... wait, wait, wait. They were like, wait, you don't know what a G no, I don't know what a GPA is. Shoot, I graduated in alphabetical order. I'm happy I'm graduating. This GPA, nobody sat down and explained to anyone about now. Grant, my mom's an educator. My dad was an educator. You know, you would think they just automatically assume that we wouldn't know this stuff. But if you didn't sit down and talk to us about it and really, you know, explain what all of this stuff is and how to prepare for post secondary, kids won't know. So I didn't know what a GPA was until my graduation day when the valedictorian explained it to me. So do you remember what your GPA forward, was? I graduated in alphabetical order. I have no idea what my <laughs> GPA was. I didn't care what my GPA fair, was. Fair I enough. Fair I graduated. Enough. But guess what? 
the valedictorian ended up being one of my teachers uh, when I was principal at my at my elementary school. Yeah. So that, so saying. yes. So so that is what. So that's the other place I was going to go with this is mm-hmm. when when life happens, you typically see that. So so I I'm going to give you I'm going to share with you two stories because mine are a little mm-hmm. bit similar. So one, <laughs> my, my senior year I took political science, um, and our so the former mayor. Uh, of Bowling Green was our political science teacher. So very, very smart lady, super, super witty. Like, um, you know, I, I had her very first period in, in, in my senior year. So, you know, there were days that I'd come rolling in late. I'll never forget some of these crazy stories that I told her uh, <laughs> just rolling in like, and, and she jammed me. So, so I'm, I, I will, I will tell on myself a little bit, me and mm-hmm. a, another friend of mine who we played basketball together and graduated together. He came and picked me up for school. Cause I had had some car trouble and we were late. And it wasn't really my fault, but we weren't into anything. We were just 20 minutes late. He's panicking because he's on the upper level. His dad was a vice president of a university. Like he, like mm-hmm. he's like, he's got to be. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so, so, so we're going through and I was like, I got us covered. Like sales is my thing. I've been a salesman my entire <laughs> life. I, I said, I've got us covered. Mm-hmm. I come walking in. I was like, you got to, I was like, kind of untuck your shirt, like act a little bit disheveled when we walk in here and we walk something happened. Yeah. So, so we walk into class and I mean, as soon as I hit the door, I'm loud. Miss Sloan, you are not going to believe this. I need this. I I don't know who I'm just so upset. I'm so sorry. We're late. Like whatever. And she was like, she stopped and she's te- and she like she would give it to you like if mm-hmm. I, I'm also certain that she would let some some language slip every now and then in the right context <laughs> to like get it to and she looked at me and she was like what are you talking about and I said I'm so sorry we're late and she was like well she's like it's a tardy I was like but it wasn't really our fault so and she's like what do you mean it wasn't your fault you're the one who's responsible I'm saying we were driving all of a sudden we got pulled over and these cops, mm. next thing you know, they had us sitting out of the car. They were mm. asking us all these crazy questions. <laughs> this, that, they were bothering us. One of them was a graduate oh. of our, I made this crazy story up. Like this guy was played, like he was a basketball fan of, he saw us and like he was a basketball fan of oh. our competitor across town. So I didn't, I didn't think it completely through that, hey, she's the former mayor. So if this actually bothers her, she's going to make a phone call down to police mm. station and actually mm. see what happened so we do this so she buys it she's like mm-hmm. i am so sorry shane like you know i you, don't worry we'll, we'll take care of it she goes i'm so sorry like don't worry about it i can see you're mm-hmm. upset i'm not going to mention my friend's name because i don't want to put him out there like that but he's looking mm-hmm. at me like what are you, are you doing <laughs> to go through this well about four days later i come to class and i get there early i get to school early and she said she closes the door while i'm the only one sitting in there and I won't repeat the verbiage that she used, <laughs> but she looked at me and she said, you think you're slick. And I said, I'm, I don't know. I'm what? here in class huh? early. Mm-hmm. She goes, I made a phone call and there's not one officer that met the description of what you did. So either oh, someone was impersonating yeah. a police officer or you completely yeah. made it up. <laughs> and before she could finish saying, and I was, I was like, well, you're right. And she goes, I'm right. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And she goes, okay, then she goes, Hey, 
if if you can sell it enough for me to buy it and I go through, then she goes, but you better not mention a word of this to any of <laughs> any of any any of your uh, the other students. And I said, yes, ma'am. And I had a relationship like that at my high school to where I could kind of go through. So she was she was there. And I don't know why that story popped into my head when you were telling the story. <laughs> but the, the person who kind of went about things like that um, and and kind of like saying, hey, you've got to do these things and this is the way you do it. And I had an educator. I had a uh, I had a um, account, my counselor in high school, uh, Jeanette Rowan. She was very, very personable. She would close the door. You were allowed to speak free, use whatever language, talk, however you communicated. She would do the same. She would reciprocate that. And it allowed you to like, there was an authenticity there that, that, that mm -hmm. sometimes is needed from certain backgrounds or certain, you know, certain demographics. And, right. um, and I did that. And I'm, she was like, look, she's like, I don't need you to get the best score in these classes. I know how smart you are. I've gotten to know you. I see, like, I, I, I get it, but you, you have to pass these class. Like you have to at least pass these classes. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's my game plan. So this was my senior year and it was the second half of the year. So basketball season starts the first half, you know, it goes in. Mm -hmm. So grade check doesn't hit until the end of the season. And you're, you know, you're, so mm -hmm. I knew all I had to do was get, so in chemistry, I got an 80. I knew the first half of the year I can get an 80. That means at the very least I can get a 40 the second half and I can still pass. And I said that to her and she looked at me and yeah. she said, are you kidding me? She said, so you got an 80 on purpose. And I said, yes, I, I like that was the minimum I had to get. And she said, I don't know whether to be proud of you or I don't know whether to be upset with you. <laughs> And I said, I'm never going to use this chemistry stuff in the real world. I'm not going to go get right. a degree. And she was like, well, I'll agree with that. She said, but I said, have you ever used it? And she's like, well, no, not really. And I said, okay, mm -hmm. so, so why am I going through this? Like, this doesn't make sense. And she was like, I can't, I don't, you're not giving me, like, I don't really know how to argue with you. She said, because there's not really, like, you're right. Like, what, like what does it matter if I get a 60 for the year or a 90 for the year? It doesn't like, it, it's not going to make any difference. And she was like, well, yes, she was, I know what you're dealing with. You're working every day. You're going to basketball practice. Like you're working every night till 11, 12 o'clock at night. Like I, I, I get it. Like I get what's going on. And she was like, so we go through and I see you talked about taking English class and mm -hmm. I go into English and I had to pass the final to, to walk and graduate. Otherwise I was going to have to go because you have to have four years of English. Mm -hmm. So I go through and I pat and, and I take, and I take the, and I take the final, this is on the last day of school. My, she comes to the class when I'm done and her and the English teacher both tell me you have to show up tomorrow. She's going to grade yours tonight to see if you, if you pass and we'll let you know tomorrow, but you need to be here at eight o'clock in the morning on the front steps when, when the, when the door is open. And I said, okay, I'll be there. I get there, I don't know, 7.45. I'm there early. It's kind of a cool cool morning. I'm sitting there. And they both open the door just dying laughing. <laughs> and I said, I don't know what's funny. Like, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm here. And they were like, why are you here? I'm like, well, you told me I had to be here. They said, do you think we want you here for another year? You're absolutely <laughs> not going to be here. Get your hind end out of here. And if you ever need something, let us know but do not ever come back here as a student ever again. 
And I said, all right. And we kept okay. a great relationship and, and mm-hmm. my school has done that. And, 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 and they've really embraced, I can go back to my school. I don't even have to sign in. I can walk back in the, you know, in the offices yeah. and walk around and, but, but that realizing that people are people um, and kids are kids and mm-hmm. not necessarily, I cannot tell you how excited I am of your 11 and your 13 yeah. because yeah. that's real. That and, is real. And, and, and it didn't define who I was as an individual. You know, um, that was 17, 18 year old Kelly, right? That, you know, with a different thought, with a different uh, outlook on life. And, you know, I was all about, I consider my, I considered myself a well-rounded student, right? I mean, I, I did just what I needed to do to uh, pass so that I can um, maintain that whatever I needed to get to stay on dance team and, you know, go to the parades and, you know, uh, perform for, uh, football games on Friday nights and, you know, be able to go to that dance or do whatever I needed to do, whatever I needed to do to get what I wanted. That's exactly what I did. So what I hear from you is that you think you had a game plan. You knew oh, exactly absolutely. what you needed to do. So what you, you, it wasn't the chemistry you learned. It was the process to get out of chemistry, right? How did, what, what did you need to do to be successful? You develop those skills. And I think as kids, they need to be more mindful because they do it all the time. What do I need? Can I get this extra credit? Can I do this thing? You know, when they're in the bind, it's like, how do I get out of this situation? So you're thinking and trying to problem solve on how to, you know, create the situation that you want. And so I always came from a school that had 1500 kids. I wasn't expecting for our counselor to be able to have a, you know, sit down, close conversation about, you know, what you needed to do for post-secondary. But had I had that, I think things would have been a little bit different. I would have understood that the ACT was broken down into components, right? You needed a particular score in ELA and in math in order to, um, for the college to determine what courses you were going to take. Mm -hmm. Had I known that, I wouldn't have focused on a composite score. I would have focused on what score I needed to earn in ELA and math, you know? So you live and you learn and- um, but, but is there a level of you being of kind of going because it wasn't the it wasn't the focus of the test score or the outcome of it. That wasn't your focus as you went through. So Mm-mm. the reality of it is, is being social. By the way, I didn't know the dance team. Uh, yeah. You know, if, so if anybody has any footage out there. Uh, that oh, they, that, that they, can, they can maybe share. We, we'd love Go to head on and check it out on YouTube because <laughs> I performed at Super Bowl 20. Oh. Or or twenty five one. Yeah, I so did. So this exists at the Superdome. Oh, it exists. Okay. Oh, it exists. All yes. Right. Well, I'm yeah. gonna have to. Uh, I'm I'm going to YouTube as soon as this is done. Yeah. Check it out. So yeah. So because because that's how I look at it. So so really, what I was doing is I was negotiating. I was either negotiating with yes. the system, or I was mm-hmm. negotiating with with, my, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, with myself, or mm-hmm. I was negotiating with uh, my teachers to go mm-hmm. through. And I, look, right. and I look back on it and I did that even in elementary school. So back in mm-hmm. the 80s, um, I, I'm certain that at Potter Gray Elementary School in Bowling Green, Kentucky, I hold the unofficial record for most naps <laughs> taken <laughs> at, at school. Because back then, if you didn't have a fever and you went to the office and you said, I don't feel well, 
Yeah. Well, they, they would put you on the cot and you would take a nap and you would go in there. And I mm -hmm. learned that I don't want to be in school. I don't, I don't want to be in here. I, I'm, mm -hmm. My ADHD is causing me to like, it's like, it's stressing me it's out because in, yeah. you don't understand. And it was in the early years. Teachers had no training on it whatsoever. Like there was mm -hmm. like, Hey, this kid, he's just, he just wants to talk to everybody. He wants to be social. He's trying to, like, I wanted to be a part of it. Like uh, my brain just works faster. So like, I already have, like, you want me to write out this long form division. I've given you the answer. Well, but you didn't mm -hmm. write out the what does it matter? Like the answer is the answer. Like, it, mm -hmm. like, and, and, you know, it's these things and, you know, I, so I did, so it's negotiated. So I do it with my wife, my kids will come in and, and some, some parents see a kid who you say, I need you to do this. And, and some people see it as talking back. And I don't necessarily always see it that way mm. because I think they're trying, they're, they're nego they're learning negotiation skills to, because if you're always told that this is the way it is. And if I have a difference of opinion, my opinion doesn't matter. My, my right. viewpoint, my insight, my desires don't matter. Right. And that's not the real world. It's not. And man, yeah. I, lo I, lo I love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. Yeah. If you could pick up the phone and you could call yourself back the first year you were getting an education. Mm -hmm. What is something you would share with yourself about the journey that's that's about to happen? Hmm. I don't know if I would change anything. I would. I wouldn't. Well, I would call myself and I would say, be more confident. Um, trust yourself. Believe in yourself. Right. My dad would always say, there's always somebody bigger and better than you, right? Somebody smarter, somebody prettier, somebody, you know, whatever. Somebody is always out there uh, better than you. I would say to people, while that may be true, that person can also be you, right? You work to be the best at whatever it is that you want to do, right? And don't worry about, other people run your race, do what you need to do, right? Um, everybody's um, comfort level is different. Everybody's uh, ability to handle pressure is different. Everybody's different. So your level of success is different. It doesn't mean that you're less successful than anyone else. It means that you are, if you are content with who you are and the things that you've accomplished in your life, that is what, you know, that, that matters, right? That, that's the number one thing. So I would tell, I would call myself and say, uh, be more confident. You know, um, I would also tell myself, hey, look, uh, stay active and keep on exercising because <laughs> when you get older, you know, if you don't exercise and you don't maintain, you know, you will lose a lot. So I would, I would definitely maintain my health, but, um, yeah, it's important that you are comfortable with who you are and that you stay true to yourself, right? And that you you really work hard and um, strive and be the best that you can be. And don't beat yourself up about it if, okay, yeah, I made that 11. I'm not beat myself up about it and I'm not ashamed of it. I will tell everybody, yeah, that's what happened when I my first time around. But it's through that process that I learned 
you know, what it really meant, what was the purpose behind everything and all that stuff. So don't beat yourself up if, you know, you, you fail because it's through that failure that you become a better person, that you learn the lessons, that you increase your capacity, right? Everything won't be uh, rainbows and sunshine. You know, May says, right, joy and pain is like sunshine and rain, right? So you gotta have both of them. You gotta have that, 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 that is what makes us all grow, right? So that's what I would say, is that awesome. to be true to yourself. Awesome, awesome, authenticity. Uh, it, it always wins in the long, in the long game. Always. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, so what would, if you could, if you could instill something into, into our education system as a whole, um, what is, what is one thing? that that you not necessarily change but what would you put into the educate just equity one, yeah equity equity and, equity and and, and, and so and so mm -hmm. i want to so if you don't mind share share what that means to you and and why you feel like that's important i i understand it but there, we might have some viewers who maybe mm -hmm. come from i mean here, here here's the reality of it 75 80 percent of most educators around the world are middle-aged white females that's just the nature of what it is and mm -hmm. equity doesn't always have to be about race um it can be mm -hmm. socioeconomic differences it can be yeah. a, a lot of these different things but everybody doesn't necessarily understand that and i've gotten that a lot well what you know what is this equity why does it you know i feel like everybody is equal not the same thing and that's and that's that's the differences so i'm, I'm curious your viewpoints and your your thought process on that. Yeah. So <clears throat> like I said earlier, the pandemic has uh, put a big spotlight on the differences, on the inequities of uh, that, that, that we have to deal with every single day. There is an access and opportunity gap that leads to the achievement gap. When you don't have the access and the opportunities that other uh, students have, um, then, and then you judge kids based on that difference, that's inequitable, right? Um, my kids here, we don't have a big um, economic base. Our property value is not as high as the neighboring parish, right? Um, so we don't have a lot of stuff that we can give our kids. We have to create the opportunities for them. And when I tell you create the opportunities, I mean like fight for these kids to have what they need to be successful. You go to the neighboring parish, property value is up. Um, there's a strong economic base. There is money pumped into the school system where they can do lots of things, provide lots of opportunities for kids. There is no access or opportunity gap for them. So there is no achievement. There is achievement gaps, but not as large or as wide as the ones that, you know, that we have. That doesn't mean that our kids are any less bright. Um, and it doesn't mean that they don't deserve to have those same opportunities that other kids have, right? Right off the bat, it's inequitable, but we're graded the same way. 
And I always have to tell my teachers, tell the students, you know, we're not defined by our letter grade. What defines us is how many of our kids graduate from high school successfully, go on to college and live successful lives. You know, whether you are a welder, whether you are a teacher, whether you are whatever it is that you, you know, you want to be, if you achieve that, then you, I consider you to be successful. Now, it may not reflect on our school performance score, our district performance score. You know what? That may be okay, because at least I know that this child is successful because we created those opportunities for those kids. Right. So. Equity, it's about um, providing opportunities for kids. It's about them having that access, equal access, equal opportunity, you know, with whatever it may be. Now, that is very difficult to do considering, you know, we're in separate parishes and, you know, there are separate rules and all of those things. But at the end of the day, if we truly care about kids, we are going to make sure that all children, regardless of where they are, regardless of their race, regardless of their economic status, that they are given the opportunity and that you don't look at, oh, well, this kid is from a poor area, so we're not going to give them what they need or whatever. No. You don't judge kids based on where they where they're coming from. You base you you know you don't judge kids at all. You give them the opportunity, set up the framework for them to be successful, um, so that all of those barriers can be removed, removed all of the barriers, so that that kid can have a fair shot at that what we call the American dream. Sure. Right. When you um, I am going through this training right now through uh, the Racial uh, RELIN, Racial Equity Leadership Network. And it teaches us to be equity leaders. And I'm so grateful that I've had the experience to go through that process because it's opened my eyes to a lot of things. Because you're right, it's not just a black or white thing. It's not any of those things. It is because in you know our population of over, a little over 1,200, you know, is the majority is African-American and there's inequity within here. So you have to be able to identify what it is and then you attack the status quo. You don't sit back and just allow it to continue. When you know better, you do better. And so we are seeing our faults and we're making the changes to make it more equitable for our kids, thereby providing them that framework to be successful adults. So I would say equity is the biggest piece that I would say needs to be um, in education and that everyone needs to open their eyes to those inequities. Because a lot of people, I can tell you, there are teachers um, when we had, because, you know, my equity team um, is made up of our teachers and staff and, you know, just people across section of everybody from the schools. And there are teachers that said, when we gave them an example of, you know, something that was considered uh, oppressive. They said, I didn't even know that was a thing. There are people who, because of the world they're in, they haven't experienced other people's worlds and the things that they have to deal with. They'll say, I didn't even know that was a thing. And the thing they didn't know about was redlining. They didn't even know about the, the, the unfair banking practices, unfair practices, you know, that's happening within the systems that we have in our society. Didn't even know it was a thing. So now that that individual knows that it is a thing, now that opens up opportunities 
for them to realize and see the other inequities that are out there. And so now you have a different lens. Now you're looking at things differently. Now you see, oh, now I understand why uh, these individuals feel a certain way or react a certain way, you know, because they're experiencing it every day. So it's, it's a wonderful thing when everyone can sit at the table and have those true difficult conversations. I call it making sausage, right? We love sausage, but the process, right. I, that's me. I'm there. I'm the one I will help you make this sausage. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. And like we said, let's put the skunk on the table. Let's put the skunk on the table. Let's talk about the true issues because until we really solve for those issues, our children will never really experience what it's like to have no barriers, to have a clean slate, to be able to really do all of the things that they would love to do. All of the possibilities would be there for them. If we just sat down and had that conversation about equity and just doing what's fair for all children. Yeah, I, I, I firmly, firmly believe in this. Uh, it's a big, it's a big driving motivator behind kind of my career shift and being able to go back because I, I'll never be an educator. I won't, I can't sit in a class and take classes and do that, but I can still teach in some ways. I can still share yeah. my, my, my journey and experiences. And, um, are you familiar with Jane Elliott and, and her, and her brown eye, blue eye experiment that she did a long yes. time? I, I think all adults that enter a professional realm should mm-hmm. have to go through that mm-hmm. at some point or multiple points throughout what they do. And for those of you that are unfamiliar with it, I Google it. It's a lady who, who is a, who is a, a, a traditional looking uh, older white lady who, mm-hmm. who gets and understands race and inequalities and these different things and, and, and devise this teaching and this experiment, if you will, that, that mm-hmm. she has done for, I don't know, probably 30 plus years. And it is, it, it's phenomenal. And it, and it will, it's what I point people to when I have conversations with other majority races of people mm-hmm. that, that don't understand some of that, all these things. Don't, okay. Watch this. And then let's come back and have a conversation and see if you still feel that way. Um, because mm-hmm. it, it'll also offend some people. Oh, well, that's not, you know, that's not me or that's not, you know, those, mm-hmm. those different things. And I firmly believe, so there, there's a couple ways that I believe and and I want, and I actually would love your opinion on this, um, being from the seat that you sit in, um, so some of the ways I think we actually get to this is by community involvement. Um, and I don't mean community involvement necessarily by donating money or, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, just volunteering for classes. Yes, those, those things, those things help, but there has to be a desire and a competitive nature that has to develop for people wanting to be on a school board. You have to, it's not that you don't have quality people that are there are we getting the the best quality people there? Are we, are we, are we getting the best quality people on our site-based decision-making? Are we, are Mm -hmm. we doing that? And, and and I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with some, so I'm going to share with you a personal experience that I'm dealing with right now. So my wife is a teacher in the school district, so I cannot be a member of the school board, Mm -hmm. even though I have this 
huge experience and, and, you know, unlike anything of anybody in our community and these different connections with national governments and all these things from an education realm, I can't go and do that. Well, I also recently found out that I also cannot be a part of site-based decision-making because my wife is a teacher. And so because of who I'm married to the school district and the kids now miss out on someone like me. I'm not, I don't toot my own horn. It's not about that, but I want to be, we have uncontested school board races that happen every year. That is actually a majority of what happens in the state of Kentucky. Most of these divisions are uncontested. So we have somebody who says, I decide to go. So the next best thing that I have done, and I, and I encourage anyone in the community, especially if you have a platform at all, ask these candidates to come on and be a guest and publicly ask them questions and interview them. And, and we had a scenario here uh, to where a candidate has a social media page that is uh, very insensitive, uh, posts a lot of racist and bigoted things. And I said, okay, like, that's not cool, obviously. Then someone's running against him. So I interview the person running against him. So this person, this other person sees this and says, well, I want the same opportunity and I want the same platform. Mm. I said, I said, have you researched me and have you looked into who I am? No, no, I just, I just want, I just want equal opportunity. I want equal opportunity too. So let's, I'm, I'm absolutely open. We're, we agree there. So, so he came on and it was, I don't think it went how he thought it was going to go because I, I, I openly asked about these things. And I asked about these posts that you're making about Muslim people and your posts that you're doing, you know, you're making these statements about, I can breathe because I follow the law and these different yeah. things. So that doesn't typically happen in our communities, right? Like it happens at the barbershop or it happens at the salon or it happens in the parking lot of the grocery store. And we talk about the gossip that somebody did, but as a community, we have to be involved and because your, your hands are tied as a superintendent, right? Like you don't get to have a say in who gets to be, you know, on your board. You don't get to have any influence in that. You could, if four of those people get elected and they have to now sit in front of you, you're now handicapped in what you actually can do and what the board is set out to do isn't going to achieve. So as a community, mm -hmm. and maybe I'm wrong, but, but there has to be community involvement because, cause we can blame our president. We can blame our governor. We can do those things, but local elections and local involvement are a massive, massive deal. Mm -hmm. When it comes to like you, you mentioned the population and the demographics of your um, of, of your students, right? Mm -hmm. It would in order to help those things, if there were if your board may if your board also and maybe it is, I have no idea, but if your board matched that same demographic, mm -hmm. that would help, right that that, that, that that would help. if our if if we had more teachers of color who matched, are those things help with those things because it's there's more empathy that comes along. If I understand your plight, if I understand your journey, mm -hmm. there's more empathy there. Am I right in saying that in your experience or am I, am I missing, missing the target? I think that, but yes, I would agree with you, but I would also take it a step further and say in order to have the total community involved, 
it goes back to equity. It goes back to understanding everybody's situation. And um, while I may not be, um, you know, I'm African-American. While I may not be white or Hispanic or whatever other race, if I understood and we had, if we had that honest conversation about what is actually happening in your community and we, you know, really had that honest discussion and I was open to the idea and we are all open to the idea of learning about each other. I think that empathy can go across, can cross, you know, uh, racial lines. Um, here, yes, it's majority African-American and our board reflects that. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that every single issue is understood. Mm-hmm. There are, you know, it, 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 that doesn't mean anything. Like I said, there are inequities within our population that we must address because sure. people are not, the, the, the antennas aren't up, right? The eyes aren't open. And that discussion hasn't come to the forefront. It takes a, a, a courageous individual to be willing to step up and say, hey, look, this isn't right. And we need to do something about it. And continue to say that until we get to a point where the community comes together and say, okay, yeah, you know what, you're right about that. Or, hey, maybe not so much, but at the end of the day, that everyone has the opportunity to be a part of that conversation. I completely agree with you that the local elections, the local things that happen at the local level, is they're the most important. And in order for everyone to really make a change, everyone has to be involved in the conversation. Everyone has to vote. Everyone has to voice, be able to have the opportunity to voice their concerns. You have to come to the board meetings. You have to go to the council meetings. You have to, you have to get involved in all of those things in order to know what's going on. If you want to see a change, you have to be the change. You have to be willing to get up and do the work. Hey, look, in my community, look, they had a group of people that came out and they picked up garbage, right? To, you know, beautify the community. Not a month later, trash was right back. I said, you know what? Instead of complaining about it, I'm gonna go and do something about it. So I got me and my girls. I said, you know what? Let's go and pick up this trash. And that's exactly what we did because it's it's our community. So we have to have, you know, that pride in our community. So now I take it upon uh, myself, me and my girls will go out and we'll pick up that trash. Why? Because that is how you get involved. You want to see a change, you be the change. So just like you do that in your community, that's the same way you have to be with education. You can't be um, passive. You have to be active with it. Um, Here in St. Helena, they hadn't had a tax measure that uh, passed in over 20 years. Oh, wow. 20 years. The facilities were deplorable. And when I got here, I mean, I knew the struggles of the parish, but I didn't know just how bad it was until I got into it. And oh my God, it was it was crazy how kids were, you know, trying to learn and grow in these dilapidated facilities. Um, but it wasn't because of inequity, it was because of the mistrust. It was because of the lack of, it wasn't because the community didn't want to uh, support their school. It was because there was there were issues other than inequities. But when we came in and made the changes that the community wanted to see and when we really started focusing in on kids, 
they passed the tax. We got four passed actually. Awesome. And so now we have new facilities. I mean, our football team, they have a brand new stadium, high school, element, all of our schools are completely renovated. And we have monies now where we can create opportunities for kids, right? I mean, we had a coming in, there was a, on top of all of that, there was a $1.5 million deficit. That's a lot of money when your budget is no more than $5 million. So now every year for the past two years, we've had a million dollar surplus because we're very creative with, you know, with our funds and very conservative, but it's about uh, doing things that will uh, create trust in the community. Our vision here is to, um, you know, increase student achievement, we develop our educator effectiveness and we build public confidence. Our public has got to have confidence in, you know, what we do. So it's not just education that transcends in all in all areas of government. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, I tell people to look at your local community as you do your house, right? Yes. And meaning, um, I tell my kids. I'm not going to give you a set of things, this whole big list of chores that you have to do every day. The, what you need to learn to do, if you see that it needs to be done, you do have it. to do it, right? Yes. And, and, and how hard is that to do with teenage yeah. kids or little kids, right? Yes. I didn't do it, so yes. I didn't put it there, so I'm not going to pick it. Yes. But, but, mm-hmm. but, but because we don't address it that way, when we get into society, we look at it the same way. Right. And that yes. is how a lot of these, these inequities happen, right. Whether yes, they're, right. whether they're social, whether they're racial, that is a lot of the issues. That's what we see. Well, that's not my neighborhood. Why do right. I, why am I worried? It doesn't why should I me. care? Exactly. Can, why should I be concerned that those kids can't leave their door unlocked at night? I leave my garage door open every night. Right. Exactly. And, and, and that's what creates the inequity. You are absolutely correct. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and I tell people, you've got to go about it in a way of if you, if so, if I tell my kids, if you guys want to go on vacation, we, we save our money, you're going to mm-hmm. save your, so you, so I, I make some, we, I, we took my, we took my youngest daughter to Paris last, we took her to Paris in London last fall. And I said, you've got to pay for your own ticket. And it's about, she's like, she doesn't think anything of that. And I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you where I got some of that from. So I worked for a gentleman in the car business uh, named Cornelius Martin. He was one of the top minority auto dealers uh, in the country. Uh, he, when I started there, he was on black enterprise magazine for making $200 million. He owned the fueling rights to the airport, had two airplanes. And he started as a family of 16, I believe, and started as a mechanic and worked his way up and, 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 and went through the ranks and, and, and did this. And I'll never forget one Christmas. I was 21, 22. I just had just, I don't think I had my firstborn yet. I think she was on the way. And, uh, we were sitting and his daughter was there who I knew, uh, who was a couple years younger than me. Uh, she was a cheerleader. She was a freshman when I was a senior at the same high school. And she was mm-hmm. in there and we were talking to the finance manager who had been there for a long time. And she was like an aunt and she was like, well, you know, I, I was going to watch this show, but my TV's broke. And the finance manager kind of looked at me and I looked at the finance manager and she was like, well, you know, have you, why don't you tell your dad? So he'll get you a new TV so you can, you know, you can watch TV in your room. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, you know, times are kind of tough around the house right now. And I don't want to stress dad out and worry about, and I'm thinking, this man can go buy a factory and start making TVs right now yeah. if he wants to, but he made his kids work during the summer. So, and I, and I say that translates if we're going, if we teach, if we know that's the right way to teach our kids at, or raise our kids, 
then that's how we have to look at our communities and say, you matter. Like, and, and not just you matter as in we have sympathy for you. You matter mean what you do impacts everybody else here, right? If, if nobody in my house does the dishes and I got to cook it's two days go by and we've got some issues. Like nobody's going to eat in this house. And and I tell, I tell them, I say, well, what are we doing for dinner? I don't know. I can't cook. I can't, there's nothing for me to do. So now we're going to go hungry or we're not going to eat dad's great cooking that you guys love because we can't do this. And, and it's teaching those things in the community of, and it's easy to gripe and complain about it. If you don't get your hind end off the couch and go vote, it's easy to gripe and complain about it. If you don't, if you're not active in those things. And, um, I, I, I firmly, firmly believe that. And I share stories about the, even in the schools, right? Like you matter. Like when I come, if you were to say, Hey Shane, I want you to come talk to my educators. Well, I'm going to ask that the food service people are there and I'm going to ask that the custodians are there because the, mm-hmm. the one person that made an impact on me in elementary school was the janitor mm-hmm. and, and went through. And that's because everybody has a, if in a community, everybody has a piece to mm-hmm. play in our success. That's right. Everybody some, has a role. That's some, right. some bigger than others. So I love your outlook on that. And and I love mm-hmm. you're in the position that you're in. Um, because while you, you do come off very, very humble, um, it is very important that community leaders like yourself have that viewpoint. Um, and, and it does matter. It does. No it, doubt about it. That's so absolutely true. And I would, I, I'm going to say this, that um, everybody's equal. So who's the first person that the kid sees when they get up and go to school? The bus driver. The bus driver has got to make sure the kid gets to school safely. When the kid gets to school, the next person they see is the cafeteria worker because they have to make sure that kid has the nourishment to be able to, you know, do the work for the day. You'll see the work of of the custodial staff right? Because they have to make sure that the school remains clean, especially now, right? Then they see the teacher. So everybody matters. Everybody, I tell everybody, everybody is an educator. Whatever role that you play, you have to play that role because if the bus driver is sick and can't pick up those kids, how the kids are going to get to school? See? I mean, everybody's role is critical when we talk about educating kids. Everybody's role is critical when we talk about wanting to make a difference in our community. So we can't go in with the attitude that, yeah, I am the leader and I am the this and I am the that, and you do all of the work. It doesn't work that way. We all have to come together and work as a team to make things happen. And if in my role, I can create the framework, that's exactly what I'm going to do. If your role is to, you know, work within that framework or do or say, hey, these things need to change. That's exactly what needs to happen. We all need to work together because you can't be a leader if there's nobody following you. (laughs) Right. So, you know, it, 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 it takes everybody when they say it takes a village that that is so true. Everybody plays a role in what takes place for kids and what takes place in our communities what takes place in our neighborhood. It doesn't matter, whatever. We all have to work together to make it happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I will share this one tip that I learned interviewing a STEM teacher. It hasn't come out yet, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's something they inadvertently do, but I firmly believe will help eliminate some of the um, uh, inequities within their community. He's a STEM teacher in Nashville, and they started this program to where they actually have the STEM students go to the local governments and they say, okay, tell us what problems you have within your government. Mm-hmm. And they allow these kids part of their curriculum is to help start solving some of these problems because they are the ones that see it that way. And, and I would encourage, especially in your smaller communities, if you have a group of high school kids that meet this problem solving STEM, um, you know, uh, uh, makeup, work out a partnership with your local mayor's office and say, Hey, let's talk about some of the problems that you're dealing with. Let's lay them all on the table and let's see what we can maybe help you solve throughout the school year. Right. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it just, it, it just matters. I get to them. We have a really cool program here in the state of Kentucky called, um, the governor's school of entrepreneurship, where they take a hundred, uh, high school kids that they vet each year and they get to come to the summertime. They get to come to a university and spend, I think five or six weeks. It's completely free. You have to pay to get there and pay to get home. They start companies. They solve problems and they launch these companies in a six week and they have entrepreneurs that come in like myself. They've got people from Facebook and Google and these different things come in. And mm-hmm. it's in order, in order, and the reason I say this, if you haven't picked it up and the, I think the reason uh, that Dr. Joseph has, has echoed it is without the involvement of all differences within the community, there can't be inequities because there has to be representation. And there has, there, you, you, you have to be able to, um, to speak your voice. So I, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. So I don't want to mm-hmm. keep you cause I know, I realize you have a lot of things going on and I'm, yeah. I'm there's way more important things. So in order to wrap this up, typically what we do is we ask a couple personal questions. Um, and then I have, I have been questioned a bunch in this <laughs> to say, Hey Shane, can I ask you a question? So at the very end, I'm going to allow you to ask me a question. So, so yeah, and it can be about okay. anything. It can be about my journey. It can be about my past. It can be about future. It can be whatever, right? So um, the first question is, what is your go-to snack that you keep at the desk? <laughs> my go-to snack. Um, These little Hershey Kisses that I have. Okay. Just plain yeah. Hershey Kisses or are they kind of some of the special ones? It's the it's the chocolate. Uh, it's the, what's the cookies and cream. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, also Chick-fil-A, I, you know, I got a bag of food here. I'm trying hey. to do the healthy thing. I am, hey. but, uh, it's hard. Hey. You know what? Part of, part of eating what you like sometimes is self-care in a stressful situation. And you know what you do? Yeah. You, you, my, my granny told, I'll never forget my granny. Um, she had rheumatoid arthritis and then, uh, ended up developing diabetes and some heart issues. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget when she came home from her doctor's point where she was diagnosed diabetic. And she told I called her and she told me about this. Mm-hmm. So me being the, the older grandson at 21, 22 years old, I show up at the house. Mm-hmm. I walk in the house. I start cleaning out the cupboard, taking the, the box of lard out and taking all this <laughs> different stuff out. And she walked yeah. in, she's like, what are you doing? Uh-huh. And I said, Granny, you can't eat this stuff. Like this stuff is. She's like, No, you're gonna put it back. And uh-huh. at her age, she was in her 70s. She's like, Look, I've lived this long eating whatever I want to. It's one of the I'm last few things I get to enjoy. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I'm going to enjoy what I want to enjoy. And that was, mm -hmm. that was her mindset. And I, and I totally appreciate it. Um, hey. And I ask about snacks is because I educators, you guys have to miss your planning period. You have to fill in sometimes for somebody else during your lunch. You got to do all these different things. Yes. And, and, and that quick little snack in between bell to keep you from, uh, going into a hangry fit with your students in the room sometimes. Uh, I, <laughs> exactly. I, I, I know how it is. Yeah. What is what is one book? It doesn't have to be an education book. What is one book that you would recommend to educators out there who listen to this? Charlemagne the God. Um, what was it called? Uh, the Audacity. Uh, what's the name of that book? So 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 he's got two of them. Is it his most recent one or the first one? Black Privilege. Black Privilege. Yep, I'm familiar with it. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm familiar with it. Yep. Black Privilege. That book. Oh my goodness. So, so I believe in this. So, mm -hmm. so, and it goes even further than it it, it. it it encompasses being a black person in America. But mm -hmm. I believe that females, um, anybody who is either oppressed or not given the same value in society's world, whether you grow up poor whether you mm -hmm. grow up with a troubled childhood, you actually have the advantage in today's world over people who have had an easy way to go or yes. things typically handed to them. And the reason that is, is we're seeing it right now. I say this in business. I say this in business. If I lose everything, I've already earned it and I know what it takes to get it. So if I'm given everything and I lose everything, there's a lot of people sitting around saying, oh my gosh, what do I do now? Meaning exactly. right now, there's a lot of people scared saying, well, what happens if I lose? I actually relish in the loss because I want to show and prove I'm driven by this sick, mm -hmm. twisted, I'm going to show you, prove you. So a loss is actually something. I think that's why I'm completely shifting careers. Mm -hmm. I can go make a lot of money building a business, growing a business, doing those things. But now I'm completely shifting a career where now my soul basis of how I help my family is going to be me going to a school and sitting and talking and sharing my journey and those things, because it doesn't, most people are like, why are you chained? Why are you doing that? You've won awards. Why are you doing that? For me, there's a bigger, there's a bigger play to it. So yes. good book. that is a really good yeah. book for anybody, yeah, yeah. for anybody. Mm -hmm. That is, that is a very, very good book. So yeah. I'm going to turn it over to you and allow you before we uh, get out of here, I'm going to allow you to ask me a question. Okay. Um, you won't offend me, so you can ask anything I you want to ask. <laughs> Do you have shorts on, or are you wearing those? Um, what do you call those? Those leg, those pants. Do you uh, so, do you do the do you do so, the the, yeah, so, the what the waist up? Yeah. No. So 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 <laughs> yeah. Out, so yeah. Um, first of all, I'm actually. <laughs> Um, this is maybe the one thing where you could have caught me off guard. Uh, uh -huh. so, um, so I do have shorts. So I've got, I've got some golf shorts on. So uh -huh. I'm typically in a hoodie and golf shorts and some sandals. I'm, I'm a very laid back entrepreneur. I'm, when uh -huh. I come and talk, I'm wearing Jordans and some pants and a hoodie. Uh -huh. You can relate to people in a little bit better way with that. But now I'm not going to lie to you. There have been some times where I've been in some, my kids got me for one Christmas these camo pajama pants that I and mm -hmm. sometimes I've I've woke up a little bit late and had a nine thirty in the morning interview and I'm <laughs> maybe was up till two o'clock in the morning getting some work done and just threw the hoodie on and hey mm -hmm. as far as you know from here I'm I'm good you good, good. <laughs> but 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 I will say 
-hmm. I would probably fall within everybody uh, at some point over oh. the last six months. They've done a video call and I look real good from, you know, from the oh, waist yeah. up. Yeah. From, from the waist up, I look real good. And <laughs> yeah, I, and I think we've all seen those videos as well where the people forgot mm -hmm. and they yeah. stood up and it was like, oh, whoa, wait a second here. I know. Like, yeah, like, oh, Turn like, the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hit the button, hit the button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I think there's just an evolution of, of how we go. So it, yeah. there's actually a word for it. So I recently saw, and I can't think of what it is, but there's actually a word for the dress attire Mm -hmm. of like half it's like it's like half professional or something or what they call where it's now uh -huh. becoming acceptable uh because you can't tell somebody what to you know what to have off camera right so then right. you go through as long as you're presentable uh you know from the waist up and for me my, my my get up is a hoodie so it's i got a bunch of different hoodies and i can kind of throw one on and you don't know you know it's you're none the wiser i guess for yeah. it so uh yeah so ha had you asked me in another form or uh -huh. earlier in the morning you, you probably would have seen me turn red because i was like oh, man, if, she, if, if i gotta stand up wearing these camo pants and and doing that uh, I, I, I won't i won't do that but You're right. uh, but yeah um let me let me let me say this so we'll wrap this up um mm -hmm. one i massively appreciate you coming on here and and sharing your journey um it, I, 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 and I can say this um, because I believe it. Uh, I believe your community is massively um, grateful to have someone like you in that community, not just from an educator standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint. I, I get to do this. I get to speak with people from from all demographics, from all places, not just in the United States, but all around the world. And I, I would I would totally be comfortable if my kids were in your school district and, and they were there. I would totally oh. be comfortable if my wife uh, was there um, because you, you, you get it. And, and, and yeah. I say that it's not, there's a lot of really good educators out there, but doesn't mean they all get it. And, yeah. um, and you get it. And, and that's massively important. I have no doubt that those kids are in good hands. I have no doubt that those educators um, are, are, are being given. And, and it sounds like that's your, that's your mission is to constantly that create is. new, new opportunities, opportunities. And, and, and new, new, new equities in for everybody. And, yes. um, I, I cannot, it is, it, it is a joy that I didn't think I was going to get out of this. I originally did this to give you guys as educators a platform, but it has been a, a an absolute honor to be able to sit on here and hear these amazing stories and to be a part of sharing to the world that, Hey, what you think of educators isn't actually what, um, wh what is going on out there. And, right. and for me to have a front row seat and for me to hear, uh, even our conversation off air, just how real you are as a person, it, it brings me an mm -hmm. unbelievable amount of joy. And I truly, truly do thank you. And on behalf of those people in your community, um, I want to thank you for them as well, because no, there, there's you. no, there's no doubt they are super, super lucky to have, um, such a leader in their community like yourself. Thank you so very much. I do appreciate that. And I once again, I do appreciate having the opportunity to, you know, speak with you on your platform to talk about the good things that's happening in St. Helena and also talk about the good things that's happening in education because awesome. our educators work really hard. And as you know, through this COVID-19, just how hard they work and how valuable they really are. I will always be an educator at heart, even though my title says superintendent. Um, I love education. I'm a, I'm a, I come from a family of educators. Um, it, it, it's a humbling 
um, profession, um, but it is so worth it. It's a worthwhile profession because you are literally giving back to your community and you're helping children grow. And so uh, it's a very noble profession. And um, I just wish everybody felt that way about all of our wonderful, beautiful educators. Well, we're, we're definitely going to work to, uh, to share that narrative um, and, yeah. and correct that narrative. And uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe at some point I'll make it, I'll make it down your way. And um, you Oh, can, come on. Yeah, oh you yeah. Can, yeah. You can, you More can than also, welcome. You, you can also, uh, maybe you can, you can, wherever you, you find a great place for lunch. I'm a, I'm a big, um, I don't know if there's a lot of Creole food where you're at. Um, oh man. So my husband is the best cook period. Well, so, 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 so I am going to say, time, and so we'll see. I was going to say, so, so if I do end up coming down your way, so now I'm already going to go ahead and invite myself uh, come over, on down. O- over to dinner. So I'm going I'm oh, yes. to come over for dinner and, and yeah. we'll, uh, We'll definitely enjoy that. Thank, thank oh, you. you definitely will. Th- th- thank you so much, uh, Doctor Joseph. You. It is it has been a true joy, um, and I'd love to love to stay in touch. Yes, same here. Absolutely. Take thank care. You. you have a good rest of the day. You too. All right. Bye bye.